morning, New Life. Morning, New Life. Just wondering if you're all here today. Just wanted to give you a, a, a heads up. Uh, our slides are not working today, so you're going to have to worship with the worship team leading us. So just pick a place where you can worship and just go with it, whatever you can. Um, we'll get the uh, bugs taking care of that this week. Christine promises. Christine does a good job. Sometimes it doesn't work. You ever just have one of those mornings where nothing works out? Well, the, wor the, the word I've got here, so I don't worry about the other stuff. So let's bring the kids on in. I'm going to go ahead and open in prayer. Can I do that? Let's pray. Father, all we need is you in your presence. The rest will just work out. I think of what I'm going to share today, and I'm just excited about your word, and I'm excited about what you're trying to tell us as a congregation. I'm excited about where you're taking us as a people. And I'm just encouraged by your ways. So, Father, as we get ready to worship you, it might be a little tough this morning because we don't all know the songs, but we know the Father. We know his son, Jesus. If Jesus is our Savior, the Spirit of God indwells us, so he's in there. Maybe we should sing his words this morning. We love you so much, Father, and we just pray that you are encouraged by our willingness to serve you today. In Jesus we pray, and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Let's worship. Let's stand. Jesus, we are here for you this morning. We're here after your heart. Jesus, we love you so much, and we are so expectant this morning. We are expecting an encounter with you. I just pray that you would just show us your glory this morning. Let your glory fall in this room. <laughs> Lord, we just want to experience you today, and we just want to lavish our love on you. Lord, we just love you. You're so worthy and you're so holy. And we just, we just want to give you honor and give you the glory that's due. We love you, Jesus. In Jesus' name I pray. To worship you I live. To worship you I live. I live to worship you. Lord, to worship you, I live. To worship you, I live. I live to worship you. To worship you, I live. To worship you, I live. I live to worship you. Let's lift up our praise this morning. To worship you, I live. To worship you, I live. I live to worship you. With all I have, I worship you. I worship you. I worship you. I worship. I worship you. Lord, we worship you, we worship you, we worship you, we worship you, we worship you. 
I'm just in awe of you this morning. I just love you, presence. And I just pray, Lord, that you would just walk around this room this morning and touch every person that's here. Touch their hearts. Lord, let them know that you're with them right now. You are in this room. Let them feel you and let them feel your touch. Let them feel your love. Let them feel your presence this morning. Just draw them in. Jesus, draw them in. To worship you we live. To worship you we live. We live to worship you. To worship you we live. To worship you.
touched me, oh, he touched me, and oh, the joy that floods my soul. Sing with me. Something happened, and now I know he touched me and made me whole. He touched me. Oh, he touched me, and oh, the joy that floods my soul. Something happened, and now I know. He saved me. 
floods my soul. Come on now. Something happened and now I know he saved me and made me whole. He loved me. Oh, he loved me. And oh, the joy that floods my soul. Something happened, and now I know he loved me and made me whole. Father, we love you today so much for the touch of Jesus Christ. I'll never forget the moment where I understood who you were and what you meant to my sins. How your sacrifice on the cross satisfied a God of justice against a sinner like me. And what Jesus did for me was pay for my sins. And all I had to do was believe in him. But that belief is more, Father, than just a a mental assertion of truth. It should change your life. Thank you for changing me. You changed me. Oh, you changed me. And all the joy that floods my soul. Something happened and now I know you changed me and made me whole. We love you so, Jesus. I can't wait for the rest of the day. In Jesus, we pray and all God's people said. Amen. Amen. Y'all may be seated. Joy, come on up. In case you're wondering, that's a hymn called He Touched Me. Go ahead, Joe. Bye, kids. Hi, everybody and everybody online. Good morning. I have a few announcements. What our family is doing here in this, uh, this uh, coming month. So, uh, <clears throat> So tomorrow, tomorrow evening, we have the uh, men's gathering. Uh, that will be at 6 p.m. tomorrow. Uh, if you have any questions, go ahead, head to the info desk. Uh, we'll get you sorted out. Uh, we're going to have dinner, some preaching. Yeah, if you're a man, song. be there. Just be there. Yeah. If you're, if you're afraid, be like there. A man. No, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. We're not going to weep. <laughs> Hype man. Nice. Uh, uh, also, um, our Good Friday service is going to be Friday, April 7th at 6 p.m. And that's going to be at the fairgrounds. So get ready for that. If you're a Friday. Christian, be there. Just be there. If you're afraid, be there. Sorry, Joey. No, it's okay. And Easter Sunday is also going to be at the fairgrounds. Um, and... That will uh, be on Sunday, April 9th, and that's going to be at 10 p.m. I'm sorry, and our Good Friday service is at, is at 6 p.m. Our Sunday, and then our Sunday service is going to be 10 a.m. Yeah. Did I say 10 p.m.? 
Whatever. Doesn't matter, just be yeah. there. I'm getting... Uh, also, uh, well, all right, this is all coming in. Uh, our Good Friday service will not be live streamed, but uh, Easter will be. No, no. no, it will not be. <laughs> just, just be there so you don't got to worry about it. Please be there. And if you need any more uh, encouragement to come, we will have an egg hunt at the end of service. That's right. All right. To summarize, men's gathering tomorrow, on Friday, Good Friday, on a Friday, April 7th, 6 p.m., will be a Good Friday service. And then on Sunday, Easter Sunday, 10 a.m., at the fairgrounds all, will be our Easter service. Okay. I'm sorry that was all jumbled up. Um, and another announcement. <clears throat> the ways we give here at our church. Uh, we have our, uh, our mailbox, our giving box outside. You can go to the Church Center app uh, and also our website, newlifehistoria.com. Uh, that also answers a lot of questions if you have any that come up after you leave this building. So uh, check out our website. And if you're a Christian, just do that. <laughs> Is there a light inside of you? You should be online looking at our website. <laughs> um, here's some encouragement about your uh, relationship with that medium that we have to deal with, that money Hebrews 13, keep your life free from the love of money. Be satisfied with what you have, for he himself has said, I will never leave you or abandon you. Yeah. Therefore, we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? You must repeat this to yourself as you check out at the grocery store these days. I want you to be encouraged and, that, <clears throat> and know that God has you. It's worrisome times, but God has you. I'm going to pray over our tithes. Father, thank you. Thank you for keeping us, for helping us, guiding us. Please accept uh, our tithes and our offerings. Um, an act of, uh, of generosity and love towards you. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Joey. Joey takes so much garbage, and he's one of the best servants I've ever done ministry with. He, he, takes, he takes the abuse. He just takes it from his wife and just, and it's just good. He's just, a, he's a good man. He hasn't always been a good man. Jesus touched him and made him whole. Right? Right. I just want to make sure you're with me here. I've been preparing for today since October of 2022. And I really believed that this would be a much more powerful moment. I thought I was going to roll into this sermon with like this amazing truth that I was going to share with you guys. And it didn't happen. Welcome to New Life. I'm glad you're here this morning. 
What we know, if you've been hanging with us since that time, is that God's people had rejected the word of God. I believe that's happening in our country, where God's, God's people, not unsaved people, but God's people are rejecting the word of God. They worship Yahweh, the God of salvation, and Baal, the God of sustenance. So we worship God who saved us, but we also worship money who, who saves us, our jobs who save us, our families who save us, when God's the God of salvation and sustenance. Amen? Amen. Don't make me come out there. I've got a cold. <laughs> Judges chapter 6 and verse 10, God said to the children of Israel, he said, I said to you, I am the Lord your God. Is he your God today? You shall not fear the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell, but you have not obeyed my voice. Could you imagine God Almighty staring you in the face saying, you have not obeyed my voice. I've told you the truth. I've shared it with you, but you have not obeyed my voice. So to bring his people back to him, God sent an enemy into the land to chasten them. Let me just make a statement about God that you may not understand. God is not averse to sending chastening to his children. In fact, the scripture says in 2 Corinthians, I think it's 2 Corinthians, that God chastens those who he loves. So if you're not facing the chastening of God, you're either not one of his children or you're in sin. Amen. This is going to get a lot better as we go on. But God is not averse to chastening his children. He's not like some of the parents of our day who don't want to discipline their children because they want their children. God doesn't need you to like him. He needs you to honor him. He needs you to praise him. He needs you to live for him. He needs you to obey him because he's got the best way to live life. It's his word. Amen. I can tell. I can tell we're having fun today. When the chastening of God got too much, the people of God cried out to him. And isn't that what happens in a lot of our lives? We will disobey God, we'll, we'll run away from God, and all of a sudden God will say, fine, I'm going to discipline you. And then there comes a point to where the discipline becomes so much that you just cry out to God and say, stop, I can't take anymore, I'll repent. So God sent a man of God to preach the word of God to the people of God. And God sent an angel in the form of Jesus, who is the word of God, to encourage Gideon's calling from God. When Jesus shows up and tells you, this is what I want you to do, Let's do it. God then sent the Spirit of God to cover or protect Gideon from the enemy that he was sending him into. These are all parts of sermons that I've preached in the last several months. But Gideon had many doubts. He had doubts about God and doubts about himself. Is that not true? In this room, there are probably some people who have doubts about God and doubts about themselves. Like, why would God call you or why would God call you to this? Or why is God not doing this in my life when, when I want him to do that? And God did everything he could to encourage Gideon to trust God and follow him. Seven promises he gave Gideon. Seven promises in one situation. Because he wanted to encourage Gideon to trust him. Can I just say this over and over again? God wants you to trust him and he'll do whatever he can to encourage you time and time and time again to trust him and his word. I feel like getting loud today. <laughs> Leading Gideon on the night before battle to see the real enemy was Israel's pride. Until that moment, they would not humble themselves in the sight of the Lord. Until that moment, they thought the problem was somebody else, not themselves. 
And this clarity gave Gideon confidence, leading him to say this in Judges chapter 7 and verse 15. Oh, I got verses. Hey, great. <laughs> as soon as Gideon heard the telling of the dream and its interpretation, he worshiped. And he returned to the camp of Israel and said, Arise, for the Lord has given the host of Midian into your hand. This caused Gideon to worship. This word worship in this moment literally means to bow down or humble himself. He bowed down before God and humbled himself because the problem was pride. We would call this repentance. We recognize our sin. We get down on our face before God and we repent of what we've done. We confess our sins unto him. First John chapter one, read it on your own leisure time. And he shared this confession with the camp of Israel and they repented as well. And I thought about this. When was the last time God revealed your true sin and you repented of it in a way that made others say, what just happened to you? They call, we call that an altar call. When was the last time you repented of your sin, not repenting of somebody else's sin or, or saying in, 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 during the sermon, boy, that would have been great for my spouse. When was the last time God put on you your sin and you, you recognized it so harshly that you had to just run to the altar, get on your face before God and confess it so that everybody could see that you have whatever issue that we just talked about? No, pride keeps you from that. Amen. That's my Baptist coming out. Hang on. It's going to be a fun ride today. Yet Gideon still had a battle to fight. Let me just make another side note. Our sin gets forgiven by God, but the consequences still need to be cleaned up. You can screw your marriage up, and God will forgive you. But you still got to clean it up. I could just stay on each one of these points and be here all day. You can screw your life up with sin, do whatever you want to do, whatever it is, but you still got to clean it up. Don't expect God to forgive you and clean up your mess. It's like at home when your kids mess something up or your spouse, but it may take your pick. You can forgive them for making the mess, but you do expect them to clean it up. Because they won't learn what a mess, mess they've made unless they have to clean up their own mess. Come on now. This is fun. And I'm not even in the sermon. This is all introduction. So Gideon devised a battle plan in chapter 7, verse 16 of the book of Judges. And you can read that again at your leisure. You'll have time this afternoon. You only lost an hour. You gained an hour by reading the word of God. Anyway. And in the story, he divided up the few men he had into smaller groups. So he went from 300 men to fight 125,000, and he broke them down to three 100-man teams. Can I just say this? Take your sins in smaller pieces. Quit trying to take the whole thing on at one time. Right? You've got some sin in your life. Just take, it, take the smaller pieces, the ones you can handle today. Don't try to solve the problems of your sins from 25 years ago. Just deal with the sins in front of you. And he put trumpets in their hands. And he gave them empty jars and they put torches inside. And he said, do what I do. And it was in the middle of the night, they got their trumpets, their torches, and, and they put the torches in clay pots. And they were relying on the truth of the word of God. 
And this is where my traditional sermon preparation goes awry. I had a great sermon plan for y'all until today, till today. I like structure in a sermon. It makes me feel safe. If, if you've ever seen my, the way that I, I, I transcribe my, my sermons, there's structure to them. There's point here and point here and point there because it makes me feel safe. I like to follow something safe. I like clarity because it makes me feel confident. So I like to know exactly what I'm saying and I like to know how I'm saying it. And I like to know how it's going to sound when I say it. Because it makes me feel confident. So I tend to craft sermons that help me do that. The danger is sometimes safety and confidence is not what you need. What you need is faith. I'm going to say that one more time because I don't know if all of you got that. The danger is sometimes safety and confidence is not what we need. What we need is faith. I'm not saying we don't want clarity and structure to the scripture. I'm saying the danger is that sometimes it can become so much that you don't require faith. You don't have to just trust what God says, whether you understand it or not. Let me just say this. God's not wrong in anything that he's already said. He's not made a mistake. You're just having to try to figure it out. And sometimes you just have to trust what it says without understanding it. Not this generation. Y'all want all the structure you can get and you want all the, come on now. You want all the, the clarity you can get instead of just trusting what God says. And if, and if you're wrong in what you trusted down the road, you'll figure it out. Sometimes you just need some faith. So before I go completely off the rails, let me give you a couple of pieces of information that will make me and you feel a whole lot better. So I just said I don't want structure or clarity, but I'm going to give you some anyway. In this passage of scripture in Judges chapter 7 and verse 16 through whatever, I don't know, 23, something like that. They had trumpets and trumpets in the Bible have many different meanings. But in this passage of scripture, the context of the trumpets signify the release of people from bondage. So when they blew the trumpets, they were proclaiming to the enemy that the enemy has no authority over them. When they blew the trumpets, it was letting the enemy know, you have no authority over me. I am free. Blowing the trumpets was a signal that they were a free people. And they had clay pots that they put the torches in. The clay pots in the Bible often represent common everyday people. And inside of those clay pots was a light concealed, ready to be revealed. But it wasn't ready to be revealed yet. And there were torches signifying a light that would confuse the enemy in a fight. This will make more sense in a little bit. You're going to have to just hold on. See, you can't leave because if you leave, you're going to go, what was he talking about? Do what I do, which is nothing more than trusting the leadership of a man of God who's obeying the leadership of the word of God discovered by the spirit of God. Do what I do. Boy, we don't like that. And they had a shout. They blew the trumpets signifying freedom. They broke their clay pots exposing light. They shouted a praise, a sword for the Lord and for Gideon. And chaos in the enemy camp ensued. And they began running here and there and began killing each other and destroying each other. And, and Israel didn't even have to fire a shot. The little army of Gideon in their humble position defeated an enemy with a prideful disposition. Humility always defeats pride. Humility always defeats pride. Humility always defeats pride. So when you're in a fight with your spouse 
and your spouse goes off and gets on her knees and starts praying to God in humility, it's hard to stand behind her and yell at her in pride because she's talking to the almighty God. And you want to be careful yelling at your spouse when your spouse is talking to the almighty God because you don't know what the almighty God's going to do. And I thought, what do I do now? Now that I've taken away the clarity in the, in the structure. And I began to study some things in the word of God. And sometimes the word of God actually tells the truth of God better than I can. I know, that's deep. And so I looked at a passage of scripture and went, this says everything that I thought, I think God wants me to say. So I'm going to present the rest of this sermon in, in a more meditative form. And what I want you to do is I want you to hear my words according to his, but I want you to see his words on the wall. So I'm not going to read the scriptures most of the time. But I want you to be paying attention to what's on the wall or what's on your phone or what's in your Bible, whatever you're looking at right now. And so turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And I'm going to tell you what I think it's saying in relation to the story of Gideon that we just read. We are in a battle. I'm going to say that again. We are in a battle. It's the work of God called ministry. We are in a battle. It is the work of God. It is called ministry. And God does not need the afraid. And God does not need the arrogant. He only needs the humble. Gideon took his men from 32,000 down to 300. He got rid of the arrogant and he got rid of the afraid. Can I just be honest with you, very honest with you? The afraid cause others to, le to, to lose faith and they cause more fear. Have you ever been around somebody that's afraid and it makes you afraid? That's what happens in Christianity. When you're hanging with somebody that's already fearful of trusting God, they're going to make you to be fearful of trusting God. And the arrogant. The arrogant just want to sow discord. They want to complain about leadership. They want to complain about the direction we're going. That, that's all they want to do. Let me just help you. We have a ministry that is a battle that we're in. And God doesn't need the afraid and the arrogant to do it. We only need the humble. So if you remember that passage or that, that sermon where what God said to the children of Israel is send the afraid home. Go home. Study your Bibles on your own. Get some faith in, your, in, your, in the word of God. Come to church, listen to the word of God, get some faith. But don't get in the battle yet, because you'll just cause others to fear. And if you're arrogant, go home. God doesn't need you. Live with that one for a moment. You think you're so special that you should be this and you should be this. Can I just tell you that if you're that arrogant, God does not need you to do his work. And all you're going to do is sow discord in the work that we're trying to accomplish. So go home. And humble yourself and repent of your pride. Woo! We are in a battle. It's the work of God. It's called ministry. And we do not lose heart. So we don't need the fearful and we don't need the arrogant, the prideful. Welcome to know. I never thought I'd say this in all the years of doing ministry. But that's what the word of God taught us in, in Judges chapter 7. 
The ministry is seen through our humility. The ministry is seen through our humility. We have renounced trickery with the truth. We are not trying to get you to understand something that's not true. We're not trying to trick you into believing what we think the Bible says. We're trying to teach you what the Bible does say. We're trying to teach you exactly what God says, not what we think God says. And we're not going to twist it to make you do what we want you to do because we think that's the right thing to do. We want you to know what God's word says from God himself. We refuse to use our interpretation as the word of God. We refuse to use our interpretation of the word of God, I guess you should say. It's his word, not ours. So if we don't understand it, we pray about it. Amen. And we obey what we know. But we don't go interpret the Bible the way that we think this is what the Bible says. We live in a world that's always trying to interpret the scriptures according to what you believe. And you know what dictates a lot of your belief systems is how you were raised? So you're saying this is true. No, it's only true to you because of the way that you were raised. What's God really say? We need to humble ourselves and realize this is not my word. This is his word. And I'm not smart enough to write anything better than he can. That's why I'm using his scripture in this sermon. Because his is way better than anything that I'm saying. I'm just saying something to justify my job. (laughs) But when it comes down to it, it's his word that I want you to trust. And we rely on what God said. And that is our testimony. Our testimony is I've lived my life for Jesus Christ according to what this book says, not what somebody else told me. Not what I taught myself. And we need to humble ourselves and realize you're not smarter than the Bible. Just because you've learned something on a podcast doesn't mean it's God's truth. I'm not knocking podcasts. Well, I am, and I will tomorrow night. I promise you, we're going to have fun with that one. All the podcasters are going to stay home tomorrow night now. It's okay, you just proved the truth that you're either prideful or you're fearful, so stay home. Yes! I'm feeling better, can you tell? Why do we do this? Because if man's only hope is hidden, humanity has no hope. People blinded to the truth will die because they cannot see the truth. If the gospel of Jesus Christ is veiled, if people cannot see, the only hope they have is Jesus Christ. Because they cannot see the truth. They have no hope. People are going to die and go to hell because we don't share the gospel of Jesus Christ. People are going to spend eternity in hell because we won't humble ourselves and help people see the truth of the word of God. I'm a ama- No, I won't say that. No, no. Sometimes, sometimes it's just better. Just learn that, husbands. Sometimes it's better just to keep your mouth shut. And those of you that want to teach the Bible or preach the Bible, just sometimes just keep your mouth shut. We'll just let his word... It's veiled to those who are perishing. They are dying because of their sins. And they can't see the truth. Do you really, how many of you have shared the gospel of Jesus Christ with somebody and they just didn't get it? 
It's because they're ve- it's veiled. They can't see it. They can't understand it. And you think, well, I've explained it the best way I can. They can't see it. They're blind. Because Satan's in the business of blinding those who do not believe. Satan is in the business of, you say, oh, I don't believe in Satan. That's because he's blinded you. <laughs> I don't believe it. Yes. <laughs> Proven point. If I'm Satan, I'm not going to let you see me with my pitchfork and my cloven hooves or whatever you imagine Satan to be like. I think he's a short, kind of a Jewish kind of looking guy. Because who would think that he was a Jew? Who would think he was short? Who would think he was weak? Amen. Okay, well, I'll just go on without that. He does not want people to see the light of the gospel of the glory of Jesus Christ. He does not want them to see the gospel. Do you understand? He does not want them to see the good news of Jesus Christ. He does not want them to come to the knowledge of the truth of their need for salvation. He wants them to think they're going to be okay. They've done good enough things. They're, They're perfect the way they are. He does not want them to be restored back to God. He has no desire for people to know Christ. Number five, we are not the gospel. We are not the good news. We are servants of it. We are the trumpets proclaiming freedom through Christ. When was the last time you just proclaimed, I'm free of my sins? And you blew a trumpet, and that that meant everybody in the house turned around and said, what are you getting so jacked up about? Jesus paid for my sins. And I didn't just say it quietly or calmly. I blew it like a trumpet. We're the clay jars who carry the light of Jesus within us. We are those who shout praise of his name. Our testimony of Jesus Christ in us and the change that he's made for us opens the eyes of the blind. See, if you're no different and you claim you know Jesus, but you're no different in your life, you're not shining no light. We are not the gospel. We are servants of it. One of the things, uh, yeah, let's say it. See, this is what happens when I don't have structure. I say things that I shouldn't say. How many of you live your lives as servants of the gospel versus servants of yourself? We claim Jesus Christ is in us. We have a trumpet saying we're free from our sins because of Jesus Christ. We are ordinary clay jars who carry the light of Jesus Christ within us. We shout praise of his name, but only in church because then we're not embarrassed when we go out in the street and yell at people while they're driving by saying, hey, Jesus is our savior. Be a little freaky in the grocery store in Walmart. There's a lot of weirdos in Walmart, so you might as well be one of them. Hey, I didn't talk. Okay, never mind, just... Just move on, Pastor. Our testimony opens. Do you, do you not believe? Listen, many of you came to know Jesus Christ as your Savior because of the testimony of somebody who was around you that met Jesus and it changed their life. And you came to know Jesus because it so transformed this person. You went, what happened to you? And they said, Jesus forgave me of my sins. Because God's plan, 
You ready for this? This is worth the price of admittance. God's plan is to let the light out. God's plan for you and for me is to let the light out. That's breaking the jars in our story. They had the torch hidden in the jars and they blew their trumpets saying, we're free from sin. You have no authority over us. And they broke the jars and the light came out. And once the light came out, it made everybody run and, 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 and go crazy. And by the way, let the light shine out of your darkness. Out of your imperfection. When you run into those Christians that act so perfect, there's a darkness somewhere that they came out of. And don't worry, it'll be revealed. It can't be concealed. See, we need to let the shine out of our fa- light shine out of our failures that, that those who have been forgiven by the Father in the face of Jesus Christ. See, inside these jars of clay, these common, unattractive, get over yourself. Weak, get over yourself. Often cracked, jars of clay. How many of you describe yourself as cracked? I'm just a little cracked. Or maybe like you got big, obvious cracks. Like you're just common, everyday, weak, messed up. But there's a light that's inside of you. A light to give victory in the fight. That light, his name is Jesus. He is the light of the world. And God says, let the light out. You say, this guy's going crazy today. Yes, absolutely. Let the light out. Let the light out. You are called to do this ministry of letting the light out. The light, the love, the liberty of Jesus Christ. People should know it. And see, this light is the most treasured thing in our lives. Look at that scripture right there. We have this treasures in jars of clay that show us that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. He's the reason why we blow the trumpet signifying freedom from sin. He's why we shout praise to God. He's why in our common, unattractive, weak, often cracked clay, jars of clay, it confuses the enemy. Because the enemy says, what happened to you? Jesus happened to me. If nobody's asking you the question, what happened to you? There's probably nothing that happened to you. Or you're covering the light. Because that light should shine. Is it the most treasured thing in your life, the light of Jesus Christ that indwells you, that comes out and brings light of the glorious gospel? And we fight this fight. This is for all you um, who got issues. We fight this fight to increase the kingdom. We fight this fight to increase the kingdom. Why do I say this? Because there's, there's Christians that say it's not about numbers. Are, who are you? Jesus died to save sinners. Jesus said that he wants all to come to repentance. Not some, not a few, not only the chosen ones that are so perfect that they would have been saved anyway by their own good works, which didn't save them. They're going to hell. We fight this fight to increase the kingdom. We want to see people come to know Christ as their savior. 
We don't want to just assemble so we can say that it's just us four and no more because we're perfect the way we are. Give it a little time, you find out how imperfect Christians are. We want more people that might have their sins forgiven and that forgiveness would increase their thanksgiving to God's glory. God needs more people giving him praise than just those in this room. So we fight this fight to increase the kingdom. We want it to be about numbers. You say, well, why are we going out to the, the fairgrounds? To increase our numbers. For us? No. I'm not the light. I'm the clay jar. I'm the blower of the trumpet. I'm not the light. But I want as many as, they, as we can to see the light of Jesus Christ in us. And because in this fight, because in this fight, eternity with God is the ultimate goal. And there's four verses here. We're going we're gonna to go ahead and read them. 4.16. Are we stuck? That's okay. That's okay. We will actually just use our Bibles. Oh, okay. So I lied. Thanks for making me a liar, guys. Appreciate <laughs> you helping me out today. So we do not lose heart. We do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is renewed day by day. I got to make sure I'm on the right. Wait a minute. No, I'm sorry. I missed a whole section there. Sorry, guys. You had it right and I messed it up. See, this time I have my last page. I just had it turned the other direction. <laughs> See, we fight for that light. We fight for that light because Satan wants to blind people to the truth of the word of God. We fight for the light. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not driven to despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Our faith in the light is why we're not afraid to fight. We may be afflicted, but we're never crushed. We may be confused, but we don't quit. We may be persecuted, but Jesus is always with us. We may be beat down, but we're never destroyed. Daily we suffer sharing the gospel as he suffered. So that those who are blind might see the life of Jesus Christ shining through us. The other day, one of my favorite ministry leaders, it's Christine. I just had to say it because I felt so bad about making her out like a, a criminal when we didn't have words on the wall. I was talking to Christine, and, and I had to have her do something on a Saturday, which is her family day. It's the only day off she takes because Sunday's the Lord's Day, right, Christine? That's all I can get out of you is an amen? I'm going to pick on her. But it was on a Saturday, and it was her only day off. So she had to actually leave her family, come to the church, and take care of something because I didn't do my job. I'll just be honest and say that's why it was. And I called her, and I apologized to her and because I, uh, I felt bad that I took her away from her family because that's not my heart. And she said something to me. Her response to me was simple, but it was powerful. She says, inconvenience is not persecution. Inconvenience is not persecution.
How many times do we quit fighting for the light because we're inconvenienced? Because we're asked to do something on a Saturday when Saturday's our day. But we're doing something for the Lord and for the Lord's people. Because we want them to see the light. We want them to know Jesus Christ. We want them to fall in love with him. We want them to have their sins forgiven. We want them to have a home in heaven. How many of us, and you guys did good. The worship was great today, by the way. But I know there's always somebody who'll say, this is such an inconvenience. I don't know the words to the songs. Just worship with us. Just listen for a while. Sometimes it's better to listen than to speak anyway. Yeah. Amen. That's more marriage counseling. I'm just keep giving to you. <laughs> We're inconvenienced because we had to turn our clocks ahead and we lost an hour of sleep, which it was, you probably were oversleeping anyway, so. Come on now. We fight for the light. I've been fighting for the light for 30 years of my life. It's actually 35. And I've been inconvenienced a lot, but I've never really faced true persecution. We don't even know what persecution is in this country. We, get, we know what inconvenience is and we don't like it. How dare they expect me to come to church every week? Such an inconvenience. And then they expect me to serve God every week. What an inconvenience. I'm being persecuted by that church. The pastor's persecuting me, purposely causing pain in my life. I'm actually attacking your pride. That's the problem. And I'm done with the peas. I've got enough peas in the whole sentence. That was free. I like structure. I wasn't lying. We fight for the light. Are you known as somebody who fights for the light? Jesus Christ is your savior. Listen, if you're new to this and, 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 and you're, you're, maybe you're not a believer or you're new to this belief thing, I, I get that you're not in the fight yet. I, I get that. That makes sense to me because you're still trying to figure us out. We're blowing trumpets and breaking we're clay jars and we're showing you Jesus and not ourselves because he's cooler than we are. And we're obeying the scriptures. But if you've been a believer for a while, why are you hiding the light? Why'd you stop fighting for the light? Because you were inconvenienced? Christine, thank you for giving me one of the best sermon points in my, in my last 25 years. I've played that over and over again all the time. Inconvenience is not persecution. Inconvenience is not persecution. Stop whining, you big baby. <laughs> but I'm afflicted. But you've not been crushed. But I don't understand. But I don't quit. I do face some persecution. Jesus is with the ones that are persecuted. He, if he was persecuted, he says, why do you worry about you not being persecuted? Why do you think you shouldn't be? And sometimes I feel beat down, but I'm never destroyed because there's a light inside of me that brings hope not only to me, but to those around me. And so we fight together as one with Jesus. Together we blow our trumpets proclaiming freedom. That's what I love about gathering together as a church because I get to listen to you saying, I'm free, I'm free, I'm free. My sins have no hold on me. 
I should write a song. Or maybe there's already a song that says that and I just copied it and didn't know it. We smash our jar, clay jars and let the light out. Some of you are so messed up. Yet all we see is this beautiful light of Jesus Christ that shines out of your broken life, your messed up life, your common, everyday, weak, broken, cracked jars of clay. And yet all we see is this light that just shines out from you. We see the joy of Jesus Christ. We see the peace of Jesus Christ. We see the, the love of Jesus Christ just flowing out of you. And we shout a shout of praise in the name, to the name of God. And if you read the rest of that passage that we're in right now, if he can save me, I believe he can save you. Because you're not as messed up as me. If he can fix a clay jar, if he can put his light inside of me, he can put his light inside of you. And then because I skipped it, we fight to increase the kingdom. That's a whole, we already did that. See, we fight this fight because eternity is the goal. I don't sacrifice what I sacrifice on this earth because I want to be stupid. I, it just means nothing. I cannot take my Harley with me to heaven. I joke that there's only going to be Harleys in heaven and those that ride Hondas. I'm sorry, there will not be heaven for you. That would be hell. <laughs> I can't bring my house with me. I can't bring my car with me. I can't bring my money with me. There's no thing that I own or have that I can take with me. So why do I spend so much time focusing on them? We, we spend more time putting protections on our stuff than we do on the word of God. I'm going to read this passage. Let's go to verse 16. Is that up there? Okay, it's not. Oh, no, it is. Okay. So we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is renewed day by day. For the light, this light momentary affliction is preparing us for eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not in the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. Jesus said in John chapter 14 and verse 1, let not your heart be troubled. Believe, you believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I'll come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, Jesus said, there you may be also. And Thomas said, but how do we know the way? And Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. Who cares about the transient stuff of life? You're going to have money, you're going to lose money. Might as well give all the money to the kingdom of God so we can do something with it while we're here on earth. Amen. That was fun. <laughs> Sell all your stuff and start supporting the, the ministry. Okay, that was fun. Why? Because heaven's our ultimate goal. Listen, I don't plan on living here the rest of my life. Because the rest of my life, because of Jesus Christ, includes eternity with God. I plan on spending my life with him, worshiping him, praising him, serving him, suffering for him if I have to, which won't happen in heaven. Why? Because the ultimate goal is for people like me through Jesus Christ to spend eternity with God. 
I was trying to figure out how to close this service out. And I'm going to do something that's a little different. Some of you may not appreciate, but that's okay. I'm just trying to inconvenience you. Take out your phones. I know you got them. Or turn off Facebook and that's a joke. And turn your lights on. And stand with me. And so let's turn some lights off. Don't freak out. If that makes you feel better so you can see me. 60, almost 60 years ago, I learned this song. And some may say it's a stupid song. It's a children's song. This song defines my life. It defines my ministry. It defines what I do for the kingdom. And so if it's a silly children's song, then I'm just a silly child of the most high God. And the most high God's for me. Amen? So some of you know it. It's this little light of mine. So I want you to sing it with me. But you got to do the movements too. Right? This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine, let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. Hide it under a bushel, no, I'm going to let it shine. Hide it under a bushel, no, I'm going to let it shine, let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. Don't let Satan it out, I'm going to let it shine. Don't let Satan it out. I'm going to let it shine, let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. Shine all over Astoria. I'm going to let it shine. Shine all over Napa. I'm going to let it shine, let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. Let it shine till Jesus comes. I'm going to let it shine. Let it shine till Jesus comes. I'm going to let it shine, let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. You going to let the light shine today? Amen. Heads bowed, eyes closed. Leave the lights, no, no, leave the lights off. There's a battle that we are in for the souls of man. And you may think this is a silly song, but I don't want to hide my light under a bushel. I don't want to let Satan blow out my light. I want Astoria, Napa, Warrington, Seaside, Cannon Beach, if you're so inclined, to let it shine. Because Jesus is coming, and he's coming soon. And I don't want to be hiding the light when he comes back. Maybe today's the day that you start getting in the fight for the souls of mankind. Man. Why don't you let your light... Now, you may not have the light in you. Jesus Christ may not be your Savior. You may not have the light but you need the light. Why don't you come and ask us, how can I get the light of Jesus Christ in me? 
and we'll share the scriptural truths about the gospel for you. But if you've got the light, why aren't you shining? You say, well, Pastor Roberts, this isn't a deep enough sermon for me. How deep do you need to go to let your light shine? How deep do you need to go? What more information do you need to know? Other than people are going to hell and Satan's blinding them to the truth. And they're confused on purpose by him. And we're supposed to be sharing the light of Jesus Christ to them. This little light of mine. I'm going to let it shine. Can we just turn the side lights on? This altar is open for those of you who need to come forward and confess your sins or to commit to shining the light. Come on. Pride's your enemy. That's why you don't share the gospel, because pride's your enemy. That's why you don't receive the gospel, because pride's your enemy. Maybe you're one of those believers that's good at shining your light. Praise God for you. Why don't you help somebody who may be not as good at it? Why don't you bring up the name of somebody? Why don't you humble yourself and bring up the name of somebody who does not know Christ as their Savior, but you know they're wrestling with this truth? Come on, church, we are in a fight for the light. Blow your trumpet today. Blow that trumpet. Let people know that you are free from your sin because of what Jesus Christ did for you on the cross. Break the jars and let the light out. Stop holding it into yourself, making Jesus all about you, making him for you. He's not just for you, he is for others too. There are people who are blinded to the truth in this world. They do not understand Jesus Christ. They've tried to make him into religion. We are servants of the gospel. We don't proclaim ourselves, we proclaim Jesus Christ as Lord. And we are servants for Jesus' sake. If Jesus was in this room right now, if he was in this place as he should be if he indwells you, how would you respond to what he's asking you to do today? Would your pride keep you from sharing him? Would you be inconvenienced that Jesus showed up and made you sit by him? Or would you share him? This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. This little light of mine, 
I'm going to let it shine. And you may not want to see it. You may not want me to share it with you, but you're going to get it shared anyway. Why? Because Jesus set me free from the bondage of my sins. Sin has no authority over me because of Jesus Christ. And if Satan's blinded you, I want you to see. My whole ministry for 25 years has been helping people see the light of Jesus Christ. Not the light of Pastor Andy Roberts. Because I can't save you and I can't pay for your sins, but I know the one who did for me. His name is Jesus. Sin has no authority on me because of him. And I want you to see the light of Jesus Christ shining out of my life. It is the most treasured thing I have is my relationship with Jesus Christ. Altars open. Father, we've come to a point to where I can only go so far. If your spirit and your son Jesus aren't enough for them to come to know you as Savior, I cannot help them. I am the man of God you sent to preach the word of God to the people of God at this moment in time. They need to meet Jesus today. They need to hear from you. Jesus, they need to hear from you today. Holy Spirit, cover us from our enemies. But Jesus, speak to us right now. Speak to our hearts. Let us know you're there. that if they just believe in you, they'll not perish, but have an everlasting life with God Almighty. This is not a game to me, Father. I'm not playing a game, and you know that. You know my heart. Encourage them to leave this place with an openness to your word. More importantly, an open eye on the one who will save them from their sins.
Let our light shine, Father. Let our light shine. We love you so in Jesus we pray. And all God's people said, amen. Altar's still open. Lights are on. Now you can walk without tripping over things. Have a great day, guys. Love you all. Men, we'll see you tomorrow night. Six o'clock.